Vikings at the Bye. It's Dave, Ted, Drew, and Chris back for part two, do, of our special up bi-week episode. You're seeing this on Monday morning. It's normally in place of our In the Raw show, but like we said, it's the bi-week. So there is no In the Raw other than what we did this weekend. But nobody's telling. Anyways, how you doing, Chris? I am doing all right, and yeah, what uh, what I did on this weekend is uh, none of your damn business. So uh, <laughs> yeah. Ted, how you doing, gentlemen? Bill, just like I was twenty five minutes ago. <laughs> wait, oh, wait, wait, sorry. This is wait, now one. Oh. Wait to kill the magic, Ted. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful, man. <laughs> I'm still good, man. My wife's still in India. I had a whole entire weekend of nothing but football and cooking out meat on a grill. It was great. Oh, that's awesome. Drew, how you doing? Cooking my meat on a grill, baby. (laughs) (laughs) It is Monday right now, and we are undefeated, and we didn't do a show earlier. I've been fired up to do this show. That's cool. We didn't lose this weekend. Vikings are on a roll. Good to see God, you guys. We're all wearing the same clothes we wore for the other shows, too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's so weird. Yeah, it's weird. You know, it's weird. My kids, and, the, and they used to wake up in the morning and come out, and I'd be having the poker game going still. And they'd go, you're wearing the same clothes. And I'd go, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they always caught on to that same clothes. You know, I'm used to it. Beverage yes. for this one? Is Voodoo what is Ranger it? Spicy Haze. Not a step what? up from your uh, Brussels sprout ale? No, it's you... not. That's like, that's like asparagus. That's like an <laughs> asparagus Hefe Bison. God almighty with those IPAs, dude. Hey, wow. I love them. I just I can't help it. Being stationed in England, I learned to love bitter ales. But you can't find a good bitter over here. The closest thing to a bitter ale is we'll an IPA. Sacramento. A lot bitter. <laughs> we got bitter on every corner, baby. <laughs> bitter? Hell, I don't even know her. <laughs> oh, I love this show. Oh, God. Chris. I'm, I'm sorry. That, that was uncalled for. That, no, it was, that was called for. <laughs> that, that totally, that's right in the alley of this show. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to fit in, folks. That's, that's and you're doing for. well. Yeah. Chris, since Good Morning Gallahorn has been with Daily Norseman for a while, we're also part of the Climbing the Pocket Network, which is mm-hmm. partnered with Daily Norseman. Tell us about Daily Norseman. What is going on this weekend or this week or recently that you want to tell us about, tell the viewers about? Have we got well, any I mean, new cool writers, perchance? Not, uh, not recently. I mean, we're a lot of the same folks are handling a lot of the same stuff. I mean, we just uh, 
keep doing what we usually do. I mean, Ted's got the uh, stock market report, and we've got Eric with his uh, preview and his picks every week. And, you know, a lot of the, uh, you know, we're, we're getting into the home stretch of the season, and we're just trying to uh, continue focusing on bringing everyone uh, quality Vikings coverage. And uh, you folks from Climbing the Pocket are continuing to bring the, uh, the awesomeness with the podcasts, with all the, uh, the different shows, including the, uh, the brand new show, uh, Unbelievable which uh, looks like it's going to be uh, pretty sweet as well. So, yeah, we're just uh, we're just going to continue cranking out the coverage, and we hope that uh, people continues to read it and people continue to read it for our English-speaking audience. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be doing it uh, all the way into uh, January and, hell, maybe even into February. Why not? Oh, you know? I hope so. Now, Why not us? You mentioned Eric, you mentioned Ted. Yourself is an outstanding writer. I also like Warren. What he yes. does in his breakouts is just superb. And I yes. just want to give a shout out for him also. And there's some great fans on the site that are quite knowledgeable and mm-hmm. uh, do some great work as, also, as well. And for anybody that hasn't checked out Daily Norseman, Please do. It is the biggest fan site for the Minnesota Vikings out there, period. And, and as long as we're talking about the uh, the fans, we would be uh, remiss not to bring up a uh, friend of the show, Admiral Big Gun, with his uh, quest to raise money for the uh, Minnesota Special Olympics by throwing himself into uh, freezing cold water uh, sometime. I believe it's in uh, February. He's already His original goal was $1,000. He's already passed that. I think he's bumped the goal up to like $3,000, which I think is doable. But, uh, yeah, we've uh, we featured that on the site. Uh, we'll probably bump it a couple times as it gets closer. But, yeah, Special Olympics is always a great cause. And we want, uh, you know, if the dude's going to go and freeze his ass off for totally, the benefit of the Special Olympics, we could uh, we could just as well make it worth his while. So He shares the yeah. video. I'll have to get it from him if he doesn't post it on Daily Norseman yes. to post it here. Yeah. And he is... <clears throat> Quite insane. But as viewers of Good Morning Gallahorn know, <laughs> Admiral Big Gun is the founder of Tailgate Masters. And the dude can cook. Oh, my. Can he cook. And he makes the best spices and rubs out there. Period. That's why we started a couple years ago doing our spicy hot takes. Scott is a good friend of mine. And Admiral Big Gun, you rock. Yeah, Scott's good people, man. Go support mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. a really good guy. Drew, what do you have plans for this weekend? You going to overdose on football? I watch football every week. I, you know, football's only here a certain amount of months out of the year, so I make sure to get my fill. <laughs> uh, watching football, uh, got to... Big game with my uh, week from Saturday, so I start prepping for a little Wolverine beatdown of Ohio State. Uh, I got a little bit of that going on. Oh, here we go. But uh, I've already been informed that the Niners will beat that team from Wisconsin. So by the end of you know the end of the working football week, the Vikings will be tied for first. Be happy about that. And uh, you know, not generally much of anything. I don't really do much of anything anymore, Dave. Besides, hey, dude, cool birds. I'm kind of a loser. <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. But you do. That's all right. You know the world of these guys like us. 
No, but you're an awesome musician, and you can sing, surprisingly, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't bad. Oh, um, God, we don't need any of that going on. I may do some of that this weekend. Oh, cool. I may do my own in the raw, little little voiceover. So, yeah, just football and stuff, you know. When you're in your 50s, football's pretty exciting. Uh-huh. Ted, <sighs> you got any plans that you want to tell the folks after Monday? I know you're going to sit down and write something. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, <clears throat> don't know what yet, <laughs> but I'll probably do. I, I'm kind of. I started doing the uh, the weekly playoff odds thing, which which will which will change based on the games. Even though the Vikings aren't playing, it'll uh, it'll change based on the outcomes of of this past weekend's games. So look for that. Um, you know, I I kind of I kind of look at my writing duty on on the Daily Norseman as my job as a government employee. Do as little as possible to get paid as much as I can. <laughs> Is there still a stock market report when the Vikings don't play? I don't. I, I'm still debating whether or not I, I could do like maybe a quarterly report thing. I don't know. I, I in the past I've done like I've I've tallied up all the all the guys that have made blue chips and solid investments and and kind of done that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'll have time. I think. I do like Lord the knows new I won't have Vikings football. Huh? I do like the new IPO category this year. Oh, thank you. I thought I said IPA. I'm like that. That'll never be on the stock market report <laughs> ever. It's but true. yeah, I, um, yeah, added that category this year um, based on uh, um, commentator or commenter feedback. I just was kind of looking for some new ideas. So yeah, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll write stuff. I always do. Cool. Outstanding. All right. It's Monday. The weekend's over. We are looking going into Seattle. Oh. What key things do the Vikings need to do to win this game, Ted? Um, look, the only game that really matters this week is not Seattle and Minnesota. It's not. It's Ohio State and that team up north. That's the only <laughs> game that really matters. That is what I put. You, you guys, you can laugh. You can laugh. I, I. I revol- my football life revolves around that one game a year. I things, don't get me wrong, but I live for the game. Period. Dot. Let's go. Let's go, baby. We are going to kick your ass, Drew. All right. <laughs> Haven't That's had your yet. clunker yet. No clunker yet. It's coming. Well, we don't know. That. We don't know. We- your clunker is well, Penn coming. State game might have been close. We- we're talking about. Anyways. We did what do the Vikings need to win. Um, to, to, for the Vikings to win, they have got to come out and play like they did against Dallas on Sunday night. That you know we talked about in the last show about going down twenty to nothing, and and yeah, okay, they still came back and beat Denver, but it's Denver, and it was at home. Seattle isn't Denver, and CenturyLink Field or whatever the corporate name is where they play at now, um, and that great monsoon of a city is. Uh, is a tough place to play. And you go down 20 to nothing or even 10 to nothing, the, the chances of you coming out of there with a win are harder than it was at the opening kickoff. So the Vikings need to play uh, very good from the outset, shut up the crowd in Seattle because it's a very loud stadium, and, and just play like they're capable of playing. And we've seen it. They can. They, they can play very, very good football. And if they do that, they're going to win. If they don't, I, I mean, it sounds cliche and it sounds stupid, but how many times have we said the reason it's a cliche is because it's true. 
they need to play uh, like with a, with a sense of urgency, I think, maybe is the term I'm looking for. They, there have been times this year, especially that first half against Denver, they just kind of mailed it in. You mail it in against Seattle, you're going to get your ass kicked. You're just flat out going to get your ass kicked. They yes. cannot go in there thinking that they're just going to run a few plays, things are going to work out, and it's going to be you know unicorns and rainbows. They have got to play solid football from the opening kickoff to the final gun. Well, there's been a couple games this season where they have come in and started hot. I think the Giants was one of them, and I'm trying to remember the other one, where they came in and straight from the gun, they were dominating. And hopefully that's the case. Drew, what do you think they need to do? Toughest road to haul so far. On Monday night. Toughest game uh, to even game plan for at this point. You got Russell Wilson, who's always a pain in the ass. Uh, Seattle likes a great running football team with Carson. They get it going on the ground. They do the same game plan every week. They get six or seven on the ground. They start eating up yards on the ground. Then they start rolling Wilson out of the pocket. And Wilson can make the plays down the field. He has great vision. He sees everything. He can beat you with his legs. They have, there's so much to stop with them offensively. The one thing I think the Vikings should do that might give them, believe it or not, might give them a little bit of advantage is what worked against Denver. And I'd like to see the Vikings come out and maybe do that up-tempo stuff. I think going, I think this, I don't think Seattle is expecting it. And I think the Vikings really found something in the second half last week. I mean, I know we were behind, but that no huddle and that up-tempo, we were really moving the ball. I like it. I, I, that's a great yeah. idea. I think the Vikings should go to that up-tempo, no huddle stuff. Maybe not, maybe just pick and choose their times, but they have to, Maybe use that to get some early momentum. The thing that Seattle just starts rolling over you with momentum. They do. They, 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 that's how they do it in that stadium. And the Vikings got to come out and punch first and do something that they're not expecting. It's going to be, a, this, I tell you guys, this is going to be a, such a huge test for our secondary. It's going to be really, really difficult to stop Russell Wilson with his, his you know, lock it. And then they got that one guy who's, what, eight foot four? That other Metcalf guy, <laughs> Metcalf. Oh my God, he's he's starting to round into shape. And the the, the Seahawks, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But the Vikings, you know, if they don't self implode like they do with their own problems, then they got they got a shot. But I think they need to throw some wrinkles into this one, guys. Maybe some up tempo. Maybe throw some things they haven't seen yet. So, Chris, do you think? Gonna... Chris, do you think they can come in fired up? I certainly think they can. They have the capability of it. I mean, and I think, you know, we mentioned the up-tempo type offense and whatnot. And I think something that might be helpful, and it's going to go against everything that we wanted to see from the Vikings this year, but they need to actually kind of put the ball in the air uh, early and often against this Seattle defense, I think, because, you know, the, the Seahawks have been pretty solid against the run defensively, but their secondary, it's not Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas back there anymore, that their secondary has some weak spots. And, you know, particularly if this team gets Adam Thielen back and we can start running digs and Thielen and Irv Smith is starting to, to make a huge impact and, you know, Rudolph has come back and, you know, I don't think the Seahawks can cover everybody that the Vikings can run out there. And I know the instinct for most of the season is to try to get Dalvin Cook going and, 
you know, feed off of that. But, you know, we saw it from Kirk Cousins last week. He put the team on his back and, you know, brought them back when nothing else was working. And, you know, if they can get him going, that might loosen some of the things up. And then you can hit him with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison and work things that way. Use the pass to set up the run. Yes. Mm-hmm. And That's a good Kirk, idea. Kirk Cousins, if he's successful early, and I said this on a previous show, if he hits that first long ball, he's usually golden. Well, that would play into that. That I agree. Seattle has a secondary that can be targeted. And if you do that, we have a running start, and they can dispel that it's in prime time against outside, against a good team. It is on turf versus grass, which I don't understand why everything in its brother grows up in Seattle. Um, <coughs> they can do it. I hope they do. This is one of those games at the beginning of the season that people said, mm, eh, maybe a loss. Still saying it. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. I hope they go in there and change We're, minds. It looks like to me we're going to have to be in the high 30s to win this game. With the way our secondary is playing, the way Russell Wilson can can throw the ball around the yard. I mean, I could see I could see this game being 14-14 at the end of the first quarter. The, the problem is we got to keep up with them. If we start going three and out and three and out and three and out on offense. As long as the defense is doing that. But when we're doing three and out, three and out, three and out, the defense is kind of hanging their head too. So, you know, let the well, offense, like Chris said, let's, 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 let's hit him in the face, sir. Throw the ball, put the ball in the air a little bit, get the defense something to play for, you know. I don't know. We hope so. How are – I mean, look at our secondary, guys. Look at – Russell Wilson against their secondary is, I mean, come on, man. Well, who's he going to pick? I, I just, I just peed, a, I just peed a little bit thinking. I mean, am that. I, am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. But right You're now, not. our secondary going up against Russell Wilson to me sounds like a like that doesn't sound good at all. I mean, You're not. And oh, by the way, Harrison Smith uh, hurt his hamstring in the second half of the Denver game, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, his status is when the Vikings come back off their bye if he practices or, or not. I mean, it's. I think it's I, – I think the one thing that's really going to help the Vikings in Seattle is Adam Thielen's going to be coming back, if you believe what Kirk Cousins said. Um, and I and if, and if he's and, – and you've got Thielen and Diggs and, again, Cook and, and all the all the weapons, Irv Smith and even, you know, Tyler Conklin's making some noise now as a tight end. The Vikings have an offense, I think, now – 11 games into the season, they can go toe-to-toe with anybody. But I think it's weird, like you mentioned, Drew, that now that the offense has finally found its stride and, and they can score from just about anywhere on the field at any time, it's the defenses that's what we're becoming worried about. And, you know, with Rhodes and, and Trey Waynes and Mike Hughes not playing well, you add a Harrison Smith injury into that mix, and, and you're looking oh. at a secondary that's scary when it comes up against a, uh, an offense like Seattle's. That's not, now you're now you're almost thinking you have to win a shootout, and and now do you do you want to have to get into a shootout with a team like Seattle at their place? I I, I don't think that's a, a recipe for success. No, when you play Seattle, you almost like it when they're handing the ball to Carson. Because yeah. that's all Wilson's doing. When he starts improvising and throwing 50-yard passes, that's when you're getting 
that's when it's getting. T- and I hear people say, and I, it's one term that bugs me: put a spy on him, put a spy on Wilson. You know what? A spy doesn't mean shit if you can't tackle him. <laughs> so like, a lot of people say, "Well, I'll just put a spy on him." Oh, okay, move on to the next problem. It's a lot harder than just put a spy on him. If the spy doesn't do anything, then what good is it? Yeah, and they're going to have to have a hell of a game plan, and they're going to have to execute defense. They're going to have to execute right across the board to go in and win this game. The Vikings can do it, but they have to they have to formulate some kind of game plan, and they can't use the time frame. They have all this extra time. All this extra time, they should be able to come up with something. Get it done. Chris, Damn it for it. this year, Kirk Cousins has stepped up his play. He's obviously, by most measures, top five quarterback. What do you think of Kirk Cousins so far this season? I mean, obviously, he's finally... I shouldn't say finally, but he's living up to, you know, getting that three-year, $84 million, fully every penny guaranteed contract that was unprecedented at the time. And, you know, he's getting his opportunities. He's in this offense that seems to be a lot better suited for him as opposed to the John Filippo throw it 45 times a game offense that we were looking at last year. <coughs> Uh, we did talk about the offensive line getting better, and it has gotten better. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Cousins is showing, you know, why this team wanted to spend the money on him and why they didn't keep Case Keenum or Teddy Bridgewater or whoever the kid, or whoever else it might have been. Because, you know, they thought when they went into free agency that year, they could have gone after pretty much anybody they wanted or retained any of their own guys, and they decided that Cousins was their guy. And, you know, he had his issues last year. I mean, all the issues last year weren't his. All the issues this year haven't been his. But, you know, he he has shown that he does have that ability to be the guy. And, you know, people ask, can the Vikings win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins? I I certainly think the answer to that question now from just about everybody should be yes. Whereas, uh, you know, going into this season, that probably wasn't the case for the majority of fans. It wasn't for me. But yes. Oh, it still isn't, you hater. <laughs> 20, 23 of 26. What about those passes he threw over his head? Just cut him. <laughs> you know, you know he hey, mentioned. I have been hard on him. I agree. This was the game last year after Filippo got fired after this game. Mm-hmm. Was the Seattle yeah, game. Remember yeah, it was, game? wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, let's remember, we went in there and pulled the same kind of first half we had against the Broncos. They were shitty last year. The Vikings didn't get a first down until like three minutes left in the half. Yeah. It was terrible. So that alone should let Zimmer go. You can't you can't pass that up, you know. And and if you guys remember, it was the defense that was keeping them in it. It was still a, it was still a anybody's game it at halftime. Six point game, and we didn't have a first down. This, this it, year's defense won't do that. I don't think. If if you play that first half in Seattle this year, you're getting blown out of that stadium, and and all the all the feel good vibrations <clears throat> that that the Vikings, I think, rightfully earned. After after eleven games are going to be brought into question again. I, I mean, if if you lose a close game, and it's you know, I, I because if you lose a close game, I don't think it's going to be um, a terrible reaction. I, I I don't think from the Vikings fan base because deep down, I don't think a lot of fans with schedule. I don't think a lot of people looked at this game and thought, oh, that's a game the Vikings are going to win. If 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 they lay an egg. 
all that stuff we were talking about earlier in the season with, you know, can they, can they play in prime time and they can, can they play in Monday night? And if the defense looks bad or if Kirk Cousins looks bad, it's, it's just going to reinforce to some extent the negative opinions that, that we had earlier in the season. But if they play well, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, and like you, like you said, Drew, and well, you, you've all said, they're very capable of playing well and they're very capable of winning this football game. They just got to go do it. Speaking of go do it, Ted, you had a special sort of Ted's trivia. Yeah, so here's the deal. I I was thinking about this today, and I I just kind of want to do this. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time, but we all have either our favorite players or who you think the best players are. And at some position, our players, and we're talking Vikings, just in Vikings history. Like for for example, everybody everybody considers Fran Tarkenton the Vikings' best quarterback in team history, and that's pretty much undisputed. But I, I want to do this, I'm, I, and I don't know that I'm going to hit every position. It just sort of depends on how we're going with time. But I want you guys to think about. I, I'm going to name a position, and I may or may not exclude a player, and then you have to tell me who you think the best player was at that position, not counting the player I may or may not throw out. Sounds okay. good. Makes sense? Okay. All right, so Let's we'll start it. with quarterback. So who is the best quarterback in Vikings history who's not named Fran Tarkington? Chris, you go first. I'm going with Dante Culpepper because, you know, he his, the combination of his arm and, you know, dudes his size weren't supposed to be doing things that that dude was doing back then as far as mobility and, you know, he, he could throw it a mile. And I know he had his issues when uh, – when Moss left and then he got his knee blown out and whatnot. But yeah, for, for my money and maybe I'm biased because, you know, just for the time frame I've been watching the Vikings in, but yeah, Culpepper's my guy as, as far as that's concerned. Dave. I agree with Chris, but there are some one year wonders that were absolutely fantastic. It, no, it, not one year wonders don't count. Okay. I just <laughs> I arbitrarily added that rule right now. <laughs> Jeff George, go, Go on, go on, get out. <laughs> no. Turn around, turn around. There you go. Okay, he's out. So you, you're going with Dante as well, Dave? I think Dante should be, yes. Drew? I'm t- oh, go. I'm sorry, go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. Finish Joe Cap figures up there too, but Dante. Okay. For what he did for the team for the amount one of One answer. Devil went down to George. Hey. <laughs> I'm going Tommy Kramer. There you go. Let me tell you something real quick. Can I sum all this up in like 20 seconds? If Tommy Kramer had a bunch of those players Fran Targeton had, he'd have won a couple Super Bowls. That guy was great, without a doubt. He had garbage on the defensive side most of the time he was there. That guy, it was a gamer. He had a rocket for an arm. And most of all, he was fearless. That's what I loved about Kramer. But Kramer kind of got... Fran had all these superstars around him, and they all kind of aged out when Tommy got there. I think Kramer Kramer is right behind Kark Tarkin in terms of our best quarterbacks. All right. Best running back not named Adrian Peterson. Drew. Robert Smith. Done. Wow, okay. Dave. You can't name three either. Oh. Yeah, one. <laughs> uh, 
Robert Smith, obviously. Um, but you yeah, got Bill Brown, it. and there's a, there's some good ones. Um, but Robert Smith. Okay. Dalvin Cook may get there. Uh, you know, that's yet. three days. We, we, we got one day. You want to get three? It's Every the politician time. in me. Chris, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to have to make it a clean sweep for Robert Smith here. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of film of Chuck Foreman from back in the day, but yeah, just just like I said, I'm going off of the time frame that I have reference for, and yeah, I, I'm going to go with Robert Smith. Once again, you all three are wrong. The correct answer is Chuck Foreman. Chuck, Chuck Foreman. <laughs> it's hard not to pick Chuck because Chuck was a wide receiver and a running back. Seemed like combo, but uh, yeah, that all right. Easily be the- Best. Uh, let's go with best. All right, we'll, we'll switch over to defense now. Best defensive lineman can be either a defensive tackle or defensive end, and I'm not going to exclude any players because the Vikings of all positions, I would argue defensive line is quite possibly the deepest. Dave, you go first. Eller. Defensive defensive lineman. Carl Eller. Not a bad choice. Uh, Chris, uh, I'm going Alan Page. That's a better choice. Yeah, Drew. Alan play, Alan Page. There's no other answer for this. It's Alan Page. Yeah, I'm going to go with Alan Page. All right, so Alan Page, uh, best. That probably My should have been the one you excluded. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, best wide receiver not named Randy Moss. Drew, go first. <sighs> Anthony Carter from the no. Universe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, that, that's a good choice, Chris. If I can't say Moss, I got to say Carter because that well, Carter, that's uh, the Ohio State, one. the Ohio State, the Ohio State version. All right, Drew, yeah. or uh, I'm sorry, Dave, Chris Carter. Yeah, who am I kidding? It's Chris Carter. Sorry, it's Chris, Car- Chris Carter. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Uh, last one, and this this is going to sort of be my my last my trip. one. Well, okay, all right, we'll keep going. Let's we got go time, Dave. Hey, hey, we, we got time. time. Yeah. We got time. We got all the okay. time. You know, That's... another another position we're really deep at through the years. I thought was safety. That would be a good mm-hmm. one to do. We're have a lot of good safeties play here. Okay. Let, uh. Yeah. All right, yeah. That's good. I'm not going to put because there's. Yeah. Okay. Drew, you brought it up. Best best safety of all time. I'm not no no exclusionary names. Well, you know what? No, I'm going to exclude Paul Krause because he's in the I'll hall. Let's say Paul Krause is it. That my eyes have seen, it's got to be Joey Browner. Was the okay. Best I would pick Paul Krause, but since he's excluded, Browner was tremendous talent. He was uh, everywhere. The guy hit you like a he ran like a deer and hit you like a soda pop machine. He was brutal. <laughs> Chris, who do you got? As much as I love Joey Browner, I'm going with Harrison Smith. Wow, new Harrison, school. Ooh, Harris, Harrison Smith, and I've said this on the site before, he's the one guy on the Vikings defense that you always consistently know is going to do his job, whether it's coverage, whether it's run support, whether it's blitzing. He makes it so that the other 10 guys on the defense can do you know, their jobs. He, he, is, he is by far the best and most consistent guy, and, you know, he, he, he's my pick if, if – Paul Krause isn't on the table. Dave? I agree, because Harrison Smith is uh, Mike Zimmer's wild card. 
He can play in the box. He can play in the back. He can cover just about anybody. He does things that drives offensive coordinators crazy. And he's just superb. Joey Browner okay. obviously deserves kudos and is right behind him. But Harrison Smith should be it other than oh. Paul Krause. Okay, got it. All right. Um, wait, wait, that was Joey Browner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he wants to ask you guys. He Hang says, you, did you see the guys I got stuck playing with compared to the guys here? <laughs> the, 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 the correct answer is Curtin off. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> all, right, uh, all right, we'll go back to offense then. Um, best offensive lineman, and I'm not because there's the Vikings have several Hall of Famers: uh, Randall McDaniel, Mick Tanglehoff, Ron Yerry. So I'm not going to exclude any names. Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, it, it's Randall McDaniel because you know you look at that guy's career. He, he was he was a Viking for 13 years and 12 years. He was first team All Pro. Which okay. Means which means it, it, every year of those 12 years, he was acknowledged as one of the two best players at his position. And, you know, he, he might be the – I'm going to put it out there. He might be the best offensive player in Minnesota Vikings history. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a spicy hot take right there. It is. Sponsored by Tailgate Master. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and our friend, Admiral Big Gun. Yes. Who's doing Dave. the polar plunge to help <laughs> – Special Olympics. Special Olympics. Yes, Minnesota yes. Special Olympics. All right, Dave, who do you got? I got – that's a good one. Chris is very good. I'll go Ron right Yeri. What, your yeah. bird didn't like Ron Yeri? What the hell was that? <laughs> that, was, that was Jeffrey waiting for me to – my wife went outside, so all the birds are freaking out. Oh. Uh, Ron Yeri's a very good pick. Ron Yeri, okay. He dominated. No, that's he your did. Dave pick. That's not who yeah. I pick. Yeah, no, I was agreeing. Who do you got? I'm, I feel bad leaving. I have two, but I feel bad leaving one behind. But I got to go with what – You want Matt Chris, Khalil, right? No, Chris kind of settled it for me by reading off what he did about – I got to go Randall McDaniel, even though Tinglehoff is right up there for me. But Chris is right. man. He might, he's got to be the greatest offensive lineman that's ever suited up for us. I, I the, the only way uh, – one, well, you're all wrong. It's Mick Tinglehoff. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I, I say that, and, and Chris had a spicy hot take. I'm going to go one further, and I'm going to say Mick Tinglehoff was the greatest center in NFL history. Damn. Wow. Over Mike Webster? Yes. Ooh. If, 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 the, if I'm telling you, Mick Tinglehoff, Ron Yeri, Tark, even Tarkington, Chuck Foreman, all those guys that, that lost those Super Bowls, were penalized for years for not winning a Super Bowl. I, I, I would submit to you that if um, those Purple People Eater era teams had won one Super Bowl, those guys would have been in the Hall of Fame sure. on, on first or second ballots, max. Yeah, there, there is there was no reason for Mick Tinglehoff to have to wait for the, the seniors committee no. to put him into the Hall of Fame. He, it, that it dude was, should have been... During the regular time he was eligible for. Not even drafted. I mean, no. no. That's, why, that. that's why I think he's the best ever of all time. That is crazy. Um, so we've got, Over I think we've got two. Yeah, we got two positions left. We've got cornerback, tight end. Um, 
Let's go with tight end. Since, Drew, you brought it up, you go first. And should I – I'm going to exclude Steve Jordan because I think yeah. most everybody would pick him. Yeah. So, best um, tight end in Vikings history not named Steve Jordan. I got to go with the, the the guy I watched as a kid, and it was Stu Voigt. Stu Voigt was uh, – I mean, it's kind of hard to put Stu Voigt over Kyle Rudolph, but – Voight was pretty solid for Tarkington. He was like a he was his security blanket back at him and Tucker both during those yeah. kind of split time. But I'm going to go Stu Voight. Dave, I'm going to quantify it as blocking tight end. It's my favorite player ever. You're going with Klein Saucer, Saucer, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah buddy. Chris, the, the great University of North Dakota Fighting Sioux. That's good knowledge right there. I want to point that out. Put the good knowledge sign up right there. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be the, uh, the the new guy here again, and I'm gonna go with Kyle Rudolph just because you know he, his his blocking is not as awful. I mean, he's gotten significantly better at blocking. I mean, we've even joked this year that he's the blocking tight end at this point, just because he didn't have any catches for like the first six weeks. And but, he's done it you know, well. Yeah, and I believe I believe he now has more touchdown catches for a tight end than anyone in Vikings history. I'd have to go back and look that up. But, yeah, I, I think if we can't take Steve Jordan, who I loved growing up, but, yeah, Rudolph's got to be the guy. I, I'm going to agree with Chris and say Kyle Rudolph. However, I, I'm going to do, do a Dave and throw another name out here. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember Joe Sensor as a player. I mean, yes. he's got Joe Sensor's bar and grill. I think – I don't know if Steve Jordan ever went over a thousand yards, but but Joe Sensor, I'm almost positive, was the first Vikings tight end to ever have a thousand yards receiving. And he was gonna have he was gonna be like Travis Kelsey before Travis Kelsey was in terms of a big guy that that could that could move and get in space and and make a lot of plays. And then he hurt his knee. He had like a thousand yards, I want to say in like nineteen eighty one. 1981, he had 1,006 yards, old number 81. He was a tremendous tight end. He was good. And was was never the same guy after that injury. If if he had had one or two more years, but I'm going to go with Kyle Rudolph. No, and I don't don't think Jordan ever got over 1,000 either. I think he came close a couple times, but I don't think he ever. I think Sensor's the only one. Okay. Um, Last one uh, before I want to do my quick little tribute. Uh, Cornerback, and I'm not going to put – there's a lot. There's been a lot of great cornerbacks in Vikings history, and I'm not going to put a uh, uh, an exclusion on this. Dave, who do you got? Easy then. Easy. Old school. Bobby Bryant. Chris. I'm going to go newer school again because uh, he might be my favorite all-time Vikings player. I'm going to say Antoine Winfield. All right. Good one. That's a good one, Drew. You know, just because he said Bryant which is an excellent choice. I'm going to pick Carl Lee. I always thought he was excellent. An excellent yeah, outstanding he choice. really was. He yeah. was. Carl Lee always seemed to be in position all the time and not make stupid pass interference plays. Uh, you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, that and that was during the time you could, like, mug people and get away with it and stuff. Yeah. And he still never got called for anything anything awful. So, I just, yeah. I loved his game. I thought he had a really good game. So I'm going to go with Bobby Bryant, which is the only correct answer here, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> it probably is. It probably I went off the board I, I, a little bit. I love Antoine Winfield. That's a good answer. That's a very good answer. Carl Lee is a very good answer. But, if you know, 
for for guys that that are too young to remember him, go look up his statistics sometime. He had over 50 career interceptions, oh, which would have been a Vikings record had it not been for Paul Krause, who set the all-time NFL record for interceptions. Bobby Bryant, and, and again, I think Bobby Bryant is one of those guys that got penalized for not winning the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You put his statistics yeah. up against any other quarterback in the NFL Hall or the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is up exceedingly well to every single guy. Uh, he made He made huge plays. In NFC Championship games, he had a pick six in the 72 NFC Championship game. He had what I consider to be the most exciting play in Vikings postseason history before the Minneapolis Miracle, which was his uh, blocked field goal of Tom Dempsey in the 76 NFC Championship game that that completely changed the tone of that game, and, and he went 90 yards for a touchdown. Bobby Bryant just made plays, man, and the only time he didn't make plays was when the rest of the team laid down was in the Super Bowl. So I'm going with Bobby Bryant. All right. So the last one I want to talk about is kicker. Uh, and and it's it's there's only one answer for this, and I'm not going to exclude him because he just passed away, uh, and he was Fred Cox, who was still the Vikings' all-time leading scorer. He had almost 700 points, um, and he kicked in an era where he played in miserable on miserable field conditions. They don't. They didn't have field turf back then. They played on mud pies uh, and cow pastures. Frozen, frozen. yeah. Wind. Uh, and he was one of the last straight-on kickers in the NFL. So we didn't get to this in our, our first show, but I, I just think uh, Fred Cox's accomplishments need to be recognized. And um, Godspeed, you, Mr. Cox, and thank you for inventing the Nerf football. Uh, yeah. For those of you that don't know, he invented the Nerf football. And I've already had hours of enjoyment throwing a nerf with my grandson. So until Valhalla, Fred Cox. To Valhalla. I'd like to pass on a little something about Fred Cox. All right. Uh, (laughs) First off, tell me you did blow with him. No, 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 no. Fred Cox, 15 seasons, get this, from 40 yards and in. And I'm going to piggyback off what Ted just said about playing in blizzards and snow, you know, and all its shit conditions. From 40 yards and in, he was 147 for 171, which is pretty damn good kicking, kicking outside in that garbage weather. In that era, that's yeah. The thing I remember about Fred Cox is the one bar face mask. And let me tell you, this is a game. It was right at the end of 1973. We went. To, I want to say it was New York. It was. I think it was New York to play the Giants. And the Vikings stalled down by the goal line. They had this really short kick. It's like 25-yarder. It's like kicking it from 30 yards. It's like kicking it from the 20, which is just a little bit longer than a point after touchdown. It's colder and shit. It's 25 degrees. Wind's blowing and shit. Cox runs out there, and he's all bundled up and shit. <laughs> he runs out there, sets up for the field goal, and he kicks it. He kicks it so bad to the left. The ball's just shanking right when it comes, leaves his foot. It's shanking to the left. And all of a sudden, this big wind gust catches it and barely takes it over the crossbar, and it's good. And the camera shot to Fred Cox, and this is exactly what he did. This is why I love him. This is what he did. <laughs> that was Fred Cox. He never took the game too seriously. It was, it was such a horrible kick, and it was like going left, and the wind brought it back in. And he was like, the, the, the look on his face was like, awesome. 
It's like exactly the reaction all of us would have. Just, just I don't know, that, that moment sticks out to me. That's why Fred Cox moment, because it was like no big deal. To, like, yeah. oh, well, it went through. And, you know, I, I didn't I didn't get an opportunity to watch Fred Cox growing up. I mean, the, the year he retired from the NFL, I was like one. So, you know, I didn't get an opportunity to see. But for, we saw, I, I found the video that we added to our post about him on DN, and it kind of went through. It, the main focus was his invention of the Nerf football or whatever, but they had something at the beginning of the piece. That guy was originally drafted to be a running back. Yeah. And they, he, really? Was, he, he was drafted as a running back, and he wasn't going to make the team as a running back. And then they were like, oh, why don't you go try kicking? All right. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, and then he played 15 years, and when he retired, he was the second highest scorer in the history of the National Football League. Yeah, he, when, when he was a drafted. Dude, a dude that wasn't even a kicker. It was by the – Browns, right? And he was going to be the lead blocker for Jim Brown. Yeah, he, he was. He was drafted. Really? Was drafted, Are you kidding me? No. He, he was That's... drafted in both uh, in the '61 NFL draft and the AFL draft, and he didn't wind up playing for either of those teams. He wound up playing for Minnesota instead. And yeah, like Ted said, he he was drafted to be the lead bro- the lead blocker for Jim Brown, and then they were like, "No, why don't you go be a kicker instead?" He couldn't beat out Lou, he couldn't beat out Lou Rosa in Cleveland, and so he wound up in Minnesota. Gonna beat out the toe grocer. I mean, come right? on, man. That's what he said. And, and so he said the kicker I had to go up against was was nicknamed the toe. It was Lou Groza. I didn't have a chance of winning that job. The guy, yeah, the guy that every kicking award is named after. Yeah, you couldn't beat that guy out. <laughs> and that's okay. That's I mean, they still give out the Lou Groza award, I think, for yeah. the best college kicker or something like that. But yeah. NFL, uh Fred Cox was taken like in the twenty eighth round of the AFL draft. But I didn't know about all this running back stuff. You know, yes. you know what? You know, Cox Cox never had the big booming leg. You know, Ted, he would he would run out there and he'd kick, right? And then you kind of picture him running back to the sideline and then flipping burgers on the grill or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if a guy if a kickoff he kicked off and the guy got away from the coverage, Cox wasn't even running after him. He, he definitely <laughs> had the body of a tailgater. Absolutely. <laughs> what a what a he, he was he was no flawed reveys. That's for sure. <laughs> With that holiday music that was just playing. That was this my song. Is, <laughs> this is Thanksgiving week. And here at Good Morning Gallahorn, we hope that you spend Thanksgiving with friends and family in a loving atmosphere, watching great football, eating even better food. What's your go-to food? What's everybody's go-to food? I have to hear it. Oh, we do fried turkey in my house. Not I bad. like the turkey. Not bad. Chris? Uh, outside of the turkey, I got to go with crescent rolls. Crescent rolls are awesome. Dan? <laughs> I agree with the Reef Hassan. Turkey's a trash meat. Oh, my God. I go. Wow. I prefer a prime rib on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I I like prime prime oh, hell yes. Jesus. This ruined the whole I, moment. A lot of Thanksgivings <laughs> I've gone with venison, fresh venison. But this year we'll probably go prime rib. I'm going stuffing. I like the stuffing. I'm a, I'm a cheap guy. but and I right. love cream. Not still top. Thank you. Hey, Ted, thank you so much for bringing up the Fred Cox thing. That was really, it's really tough news to hear the guys that, formed our childhood. I mean, those old seventies Vikings teams will always be the most important to me because they, they were, they were all my life back then. That's I what felt I, like I grew up with them. 
Right, right. They, so they, I really they were, a part, they, they were a part of my life that that I mean, hopefully, folks that grow up and watch football now um, have that kind of affinity for for teams. But for us, I, I you know, I, I don't want to say it was it was better when we were kids. I, I don't. I'm not trying to say that, but it was different. I mean, we didn't have the red zone or the you know any game on demand if you wanted to. It was it was the Vikings were pretty much nothing, and I and, and those guys were. They they lived in Minnesota. You, you saw them around town. Um, guys like uh, Alan Page and the defensive line uh, would work out before training camp across the street from my house at Richfield High School, um, and and run you know laps and run around the track and stuff. So yeah, it was yeah it, it, it was these these losses. You know now these guys are getting old and mortal, and you just didn't think it would ever happen to them. You know Bud Grant's in his eighties, and it's yeah it's sad. It's just it sucks. Well, it's almost like. Uh, there wasn't any free agency, so they had uh, wrong button, Drew. They had uh, from like <laughs> no, from like seventy-two to seventy-eight, Ted. It was the same twenty-two offense team, the same starters for like six years. Nobody left. It was the same yeah. guys. So you yeah. could get behind the guys. They became more of. I mean, it wasn't like three or four or five guys leaving every year. It was the same same twenty-two starters for like six years. Yeah. Until Tarkin retired, they all stuck together. I mean, nobody left, and so you could get. You knew the same team was coming back, same defensive, same linebackers. Yep. It's the same guys coming in there. So same coaching staff. You know, and, and not the, the not seeing Fred Cox run out there and seeing Dan Meyer run out there. Which is, <laughs> I just look at it and go, this isn't right. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank yeah, I know. You for I bringing up Freddie Cox. That that's really means a lot to me. Well, we grew up. Those guys were family. This week. Hopefully you're with family. Any last words there? Great poobah, Christopher Gates. <laughs> um, I, I do want to say a happy Thanksgiving to anyone. And uh, if you're going out on Black Friday, uh, do us all a favor and uh, turn your phone into landscape mode before you start videotaping uh, any kind of fights or anything like that that you're going to put on YouTube. Because the, the portrait mode portrait mode just doesn't capture everything. So, yeah, turn your phone sideways. That That's the... That's the most important advice I can give you on uh, this Thanksgiving holiday. Drew. You know what? Save the food pictures on Thanksgiving. We all eat in the same shit. <laughs> <laughs> See you cats on the flip-flop. Rest in peace, Freddie Cox. Ted. Super Bowl homeboy, we'll see you in Miami. Skull, <laughs> baby. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Happy Thanksgiving, folks.